Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Welcome to Mamma Mia Out Loud. It's what women are talking about on Wednesday, the 16th of November. I'm Holly Wainwright. I'm Mia Friedman. And I'm Emma Gillespie filling in for Jessie this week. Now, the news really does sound like a broken record at the moment after weeks, months really, of horrific flooding across the country's southeast. It's actually getting worse. Like, as people are maybe getting a bit of fatigue of hearing flooding, flooding, flooding in the headlines, but in areas like Forbes, various other areas across New South Wales West, it is getting worse and there is some really shocking footage of dams spilling, towns underwater. We've had outlouders who are in places like Cowra send us pictures and we just obviously want to tell you that we're thinking of you, but also we want to offer a way for other outlouders to help by amplifying some of the people who are helping. Notably, giveit.com.au, and that's G-I-V-I-T. They are very hands-on, practical organisation who help in times of disaster. And basically, you go on there and you can donate a small amount of money or a significant amount of money, depending on what you have, to something very specific. So it might be toy vouchers for Christmas presents for kids whose families have lost everything, or it could be a grocery voucher for a family or a hardware voucher for someone who's now living in their car. So if you want to help, it's a really direct way to do it and then of course the Australian Red Cross is always on the ground so go to redcross.org.au and donate to their natural disaster fund and seriously we just feel so much for everybody affected by this right now. On the show today a millennial icon has declared that aging is fully in and painted her hair grey to do it. And if you could fake a digital interaction with a lost loved one, would you? Should you? But first... In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for President of the United States. Mia, I need you to tell me it's going to be okay. Because if that sounds like a throwback to 2016 when we made a whole podcast about the fact that Donald Trump was um, elected President of the United States, you'd be right. Because today he's announced he's running again. And I am very anxious about it. I feel like we already have a lot of bad news. We've seen vision of all those Trump rallies where there are adoring crowds. I'm like, oh my God, he's coming back. He's going to do it again. I can't deal with the anxiety that that news cycle brought when he was just spewing hate, bringing out the worst in everybody. Are we really going there again? And then I looked over at my friend Mia Friedman. Come, not fussed. What's wrong with you? And you said, it's fine. He's not going to get up. It's fine. And so I need you, as someone who is a little bit obsessed with American politics, or certainly you used to be, to tell me why it is going to be okay, Mia. 
Look, I'm in a recovery program. <laughs> I have been in, uh, you know, self-imposed rehab from my American politics obsession because of that man because I spent so much time being held hostage, I think so many of us did, and me more than many, my own fault, by the way he dominated the news cycle for so many years with the shit that he said, the cruelty, the rubbish, the tweeting, all of it. And so why am I calm? Okay, because the timing of this announcement is interesting. It's off the back of the midterm elections in the US. Now, they have a different election cycle to us. It's every four years. Every two years, they have what's called the midterms, where it's not the presidency that's up for grabs, but it's the House, the equivalent of our Senate at our House of Representatives. So in this recent midterms, everyone expected the Democrats, of which Joe Biden is leader and president to be absolutely demolished because inflation is high, the economy is pretty shit, Joe Biden's personal approval rating is very, very low, he is not a charismatic leader, he just turned 80, not at all popular at the moment. It was um, the red wave that they were predicting for these midterms. They were saying right? there was going to be a red wave, that's exactly right, and there was not, there was no red wave. In fact, the Democrats retained control of the House, which was such a shock to Democrats, like everyone was shocked, right? Now, Trump wasn't in this election, but he also was because as the sort of de facto leader of the party or the leader of the party really, which is unbelievable given after the insurrection, everyone thought, oh, you know what? You tell your followers to go and storm the Capitol building and they go and literally shit on Nancy Pelosi's desk and some crazy, you know, supporter goes and beats up her husband, like you would think people had moved away from him, but he still holds remarkable power because of this crazy base that are obsessed with him, right? He's got such a strong base. So he's been like working behind the scenes as a bit of a, not behind the scenes, well, as much as he can be behind the scenes. He's not allowed on social media, but he's got his own platform called Truth Social. And he's been very much a kingmaker. So the candidates that he has been selecting, he's been having these rallies because he loves nothing more than having people cheering for him. And he's said, you should vote for this one, you should vote for that one. Pretty much every one of the people that he said people should vote for got beaten. So the Republican Party have been held hostage by him for such a long time because they used to be a very moderate conservative you know, family values kind of party and he's just brought his crass disgustingness and extremity to dominate the party. They all want to be elected, right? So what they've seen and many commentators saying, this isn't just my opinion, by the way, the fever has broken because he's essentially lost the last three elections for the Republican Party. He lost the midterms in 2018. Yep. He lost the election in 2020, now he's lost, you know, as leader of this party, he's lost the midterms in 2022. So people are starting to stop being scared of him, if that makes sense. I still worry, though, that the Republican Party doesn't have an identity that's not inextricably linked to Donald Trump. So I think what happened was when Trump became the presidential nominee that very first time, what, in 2016 mm. when he won that election. Republicans never thought that he was going to yes. win. And you saw the party fractured then and Republicans who were, as you say, Mia, the more mm. old school family values Republicans started to fray away and splinter off. Many of them left the party. And then since then 
it doesn't really feel like the Republican Party has rebranded. It still feels like they are the Donald Trump Party. They absolutely have. You're right. What he did very effectively was remake the whole party in the image of himself. The way he did that was if anyone disagreed with him or crossed him or challenged him, he would destroy them on Twitter and his rabid fans would make a real difference at the polls for those individuals. And also he delivered them wins that they'd been trying to get for ages, like, you know, Supreme Court justices, all the right. Like he played them very well. Many of them disagreed with him fundamentally and thought he was a terrible human, but they also Mm. knew that his brand of dirty politics would get them what he wanted. So my question is, Mia, given all of those things that have just happened and he's not looking like the shiny kingmaker that he was, why has he announced that he will run again? Because Trump does not like to lose. We have seen that over and over again. What is the data that he's getting? With Trump, you always just follow the money and the ego. Since he's lost the presidency, he's largely become irrelevant. Mm. He wants people to tell him how awesome he is all the time. And he's the most insecure little narcissistic baby psychopath you could ever meet. So he's running because it keeps him relevant And it enables him to keep having these rallies and eliciting donations. You and all of those watching are the heart and soul of this incredible movement and the greatest country in the history of the world. It's very simple. There has never been anything like it. This great movement of ours, never been anything like it and perhaps there will never be anything like it again there's never been anything to compete with what we have all done but is it going to be embarrassing for him when the republicans ultimately choose someone else i mean he's basically turned his brand since 2020 into i was robbed i was robbed the election was rigged and even when he won do you remember and he actually lost the popular vote and he instead of just saying i'm the bloody president now, he obsessively talked about the size of the crowd, the fact that it was, he talked about voter fraud back in the election that he won because the fact that he lost the popular vote, he couldn't cope with that. So he actually does well as a victim and with grievance and his followers really like grievance because when you are the winner, you don't have anyone to push against and you can't complain, he said, Before when you're the, the midterms because you're right that he had endorsed, I don't know, maybe a hundred or more Republican people for the midterms and like hardly any of them won. And before the elections, he said, Well, I think if they win, I should get all the credit. And if they lose, I should not be blamed at all. Okay. When he says things like that, it sounds like he's taking the piss, but that's he's just that deranged that that's what he and thinks his, and says. his followers believe it. But there's but, two other factors that you need to know about. One is that there's finally someone else on the horizon. So who is it? Be, its name's Ron DeSantis. He is the governor of Florida. He's the governor of Florida. Thank you. He's not great, but he's not Trump. Yeah. So he's very, very popular. Trump is very insecure about him. He's trying to call him, you know, he has these puerile yeah, nicknames, nicknames. Yeah. Ron Sanctimonious. But yeah. that's too many syllables for most of the people who love Trump to understand Ooh. and it's not really an insult. Um, I hate the nicknames. Yeah. But the other thing is that there's another reason why he's running again and that is because he's in a lot of legal trouble. There are so many legal cases against him, state-based within New York, about fraud within his company and tax evasion. And then federally, all the documents that he took from the White House that were classified and just stored in boxes – in Mar-a-Lago because he was probably going to try to bloody sell them on eBay at some stage. Because well, like he of- just knew he had some scammy hustle going on. 
that's highly treasonous and a crime. So treasonous could be exaggerating, but that is highly, it is a crime. So if he's running for president and he is charged, as he is expected to be with this crime, which would disqualify him from running again, that's the thing. If you are found guilty of this crime, you cannot run for president again. So he's trying to get in early so that he can say that being charged is another conspiracy, because his fans love conspiracies, is a conspiracy by the Democrats who are out to get him and the Republicans who are, you know, threatened by him, so he then gets a whole other narrative. Well, because Trump's a master. He's a master performer and a master entertainer. He knows that he needs storylines. Like it's no accident that he came from reality TV. And even during his um, presidency, he'd always introduce new characters to keep people interested and he'd always have new enemies. He knew that he needed plots and narratives to keep his well, followers interested. It's worth mentioning a lot of people were confused. How could he even run? Is that even legal? Mm. Hasn't he been impeached twice? But because he hasn't criminally been impeached or found guilty of anything yet criminally, he actually can run, which is sort of disappointing. Mia, I know your reaction to this was, don't worry, guys, it's not going to happen. But then I turned to the Democrat Party and I think if they can't platform a fierce competitor. Oh, yeah. Biden what happens has to then? stand down. Because I agree with you. there's a lot of speculation. Will Biden run for a second term? He said that he Please will, but God he has no. to talk to his family, etc. The man is 80 years old. Well, then yeah. you think, okay, if not Biden, who would the Democrat nominee be? Kamala Harris, I think she seems awesome, but we've not really heard much from her no. in the last two years. The vice presidential role is kind of an ornamental-ish and we haven't seen her and I think maybe that's a problem within the party that they've not really platformed her as much as they should have. And then other people are saying, well, will Hillary come back? Will we have another Trump-Hillary showdown? It needs to be what the Democrats have got to make this is generational change. And the thing is that Ron DeSantis versus Trump is generational change. DeSantis versus Biden that's never going to play well for Biden because people do not want such an old man there anymore. Mm. They want a change. And I think also there are a lot of people, you two, who have, including us, even people who like Donald Trump who have been, gosh, it's been lovely not having that man dominating it's not even just the news cycle. It's just the conversation all the oh. time, whether it's are we going to have a nuclear war with Korea? Why is he picking a fight with blah, blah? What's he doing with Kim Kardashian? Like just people want shushies. They want shushies. I know. And it's not like things have been good since he's been gone. But I just I blame him for so much of what is wrong with the world. I blame him for the level of public discourse now. I blame him for pushing people to such polarised corners. The left have got very extreme in some quarters. The right have realised that they have to be really inflammatory to get the microphone. Like he's just ruined a lot of shit. And I would just love him to go away. And it makes me sad that he's back. On Friday morning, I'm working on an episode of The Quickie that will be dropping Friday all about this and what's <laughs> going to happen. And I'm as soon as we leave here, I'm yes. about to have an interview with Chaz Lichardello, who he is the expert on all things God, I hope Chaz American politics. <laughs> know, Chaz right? told me that 100% Biden was going to win the election when no one believed that he would. He knows his stuff. So if you want to hear what Chaz mm. has to say on the matter, don't forget to listen to The Quickie on Friday. There's never been anything like it. Perhaps there will never be anything like it again.
In case you missed it, Sydney's Taronga Zoo is having a bit of a time of it lately. You may remember less than two weeks ago, a pride of lions escaped from their enclosure, triggering an evacuation. Well, zoo-goers thought that they were in for round two the other day when this alarm sounded. My friends, that is no alarm. It's a goddamn liar bird. That's unbelievable. Like, I didn't know liar birds were mimics. I know yeah. parrots can mimic. These things are crazy. So that same bird at Taronga is known to mimic a baby crying quite often. They mimic construction sounds, alarms, other bird sounds like kookaburras. According to David Attenborough, the superb lyrebird displays one of the most sophisticated voice skills within the animal kingdom. The most elaborate, the most complex, the most beautiful. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move, and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. Do you know who Julia Fox is? That's a rhetorical question. I know that you two kind of do. She's an actress. You might have seen her in the critically lauded movie Uncut Gems from a few years ago. But more relevantly than being an actress, she's a bit of an icon these days. Her iconity, however we use that word, was recently boosted by a short, very public relationship with Kanye. This is pre anti-Semitism Kanye. Make way for Julie. That's what Julia Fox has coined as their new couple name. And what I've come to understand about Julia Fox from kind of watching her in the media over the last few months is that she is kind of what we used to quite insultingly call an it girl, I think. She like influences fashion. It's all about what she wears. She turns up at all the parties. I know because I listened to an interview with her on Emrata's podcast, which was an hour of my life, I'll never get back. Why do you do this to yourself? Well, I like to know. I like yeah. to be relevant with the young people. She goes to a lot of parties and poses on the red carpet and then she goes home because that's how you do it, right? You don't have to go to the party. You just have to be seen to go to the party. So she's also big on TikTok. A lot of the millennials love her on TikTok. Anyway, the reason I'm telling you about Julia Fox is that this week she's become an unexpected proponent of age positivity. Julia is 32, which in my world is not very old. I disagree. I think that's when you're at your most paranoid. From the women I work with, the ones who are in the most knots about ageing are the women in their late 20s, early 30s. That's true. That's true. So she definitely fits that bracket. And this week on TikTok, she said this, and people lost their minds. Just so you guys know... Aging is fully in. Dirty girl, ugly, not wearing clothes that fit your body type, just fully just wearing anything you want. All those things are in. And if I see another product that says anti-aging on the label, I'm suing. I'm going to sue because I'm going to age regardless of if I put that fucking $500 serum on my face and you all fucking know it and we know it so let's stop lying to ourselves. 
getting old is fucking hot. <laughs> getting old <sighs> is fucking hot. She also coupled this with an appearance under Amazon Fashion Awards, which was the big red carpet last week, Kim Kardashian, they're all there, where she kind of wore very little, to be honest. Mia wouldn't have approved. She wore this kind of bra and knickers thing, black, but she had really silver roots and silver bleached brows. So she's kind of cosplaying being older because she doesn't actually have silver roots in all her other pictures. What do we think about this? Is it refreshing? Is it a bit patronizing? Mia. Look, anyone that draws attention to the fact that the idea of anti-aging in itself is perverse and insulting because the opposite of aging is dying. But the idea of performing aging, I love, and I'm going to talk about Jennifer Aniston, I love this idea of it's fine to be old but not to have an old woman's body because the body that she has, because she is a younger woman, is not the same. It's funny. I had a girlfriend text me this morning. I've got such a peri body. And it's true. You kind of become more and more like a circle as you get older because you just start putting on more weight around your middle. And that's just kind of a fact of life. It doesn't matter about how much you eat or or whether you exercise. Your body just sort of reapportions where you carry your weight. And it's like a body shape that no matter how much they try, you can see it in Madonna, etc. If you look at the real thing. I'm not talking about if you look at Photoshop versions like, you know, Jennifer Aniston, who knows what she looks like. But this idea that aging is about having all the hallmarks of someone who's got a a young body and a young face because Julia Fox has a huge amount of work in her face. She's got fillers and all of that stuff, Botox. Her version of aging is some silver roots with a bikini on a red carpet. I'm trying to figure out still sort of how I feel about all of this because when I hear about the idea of someone who is one of the most popular people on TikTok talking positively about aging, I think, well, great, you know, who are the people on TikTok, really young people? Are they the people that need to hear this? Possibly. (laughs) Like I think it's great that there would be a message for these young people that ageing is not something to be afraid of and exactly what you said, Mia, the opposite of ageing is dying. Like what's the alternative? You'd be dead. But then I looked at these photos with the silver roots or whatever in the hair and it just looks like someone who's been relying on their dry shampoo can for about six weeks too long. I don't hate it. Like anything that makes grey roots look cool on a red carpet and normalised will save the rest of us a lot of money. I don't hate it. something that makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable is that in that TikTok we hear her describe that like, you know, I'm done with being sexy and hot and young. I just want to be <laughs> ugly and dirty and wear it's my so ugly, true. dirty clothes. So it's not really dirty girl, aging, right? ugly, you know, all those things. Yeah. It's not really pro aging yeah. and it's not really empowering aging women. It's, so it's saying, hey, aging women, you're dirty and your clothes are ugly, but. I don't want to buy serums and I stand with you. I think she's trying to say I'm rejecting the male gaze, but. Yes, exactly. I think she is Mia because also what I learned when I listened to that interview with her and Amrata is that she talks about how exhausting being the hot girl, the performative hot girl throughout her 20s was and is. And I think that she is now dressing and that aesthetic that she is celebrating is a much more high fashion, hard edged one where it's not about men thinking you're attractive. And there's, it's much more about other women thinking you're cool. But it's like you have to state that just in case anyone should think you were trying to be attractive to men 
Do you know what I mean? Like She's it's so a very interesting to me. Meta. Like she was a dominatrix in her early 20s. She's a mother. She's, yeah, she's got had an interesting and continues to some, have an interesting life. She's yeah. certainly got an interesting point of view. I like that she's out there because I like that she, as you say, whole, she's not trying to appeal to men. Like she's got this weird eye makeup that she likes to wear that's very severe. And she even says, I'm not interested in sex. I just want to go home. I'm not looking for a relationship. So she's not sort of trying to appeal to guys yeah my friends on tiktok adore her they say that she is the most authentic person on the platform so i don't know like whether she's trolling us is she an eccentric marketing genius i think she's like a weirdo in a great way but i just worry that yeah she's someone to me who seems to be in her prime at the top of her game and for that to become the idea of what aging looks like, she's representing that and she's not invisible. She's not what you no, guys but, talk but about, about the invisible point woman. is that no matter how old you are, you can never win this game and you're never young enough. Yeah. She's 32 and she still feels this pressure to look younger than she does. It's back to that idea though, to what you said, why does it have to be either I don't want to appeal to men and be sexy and be considered by society to be sexually attractive or I have to look a certain way. Like the idea that you woman. could have grey hair and wear clothes that don't fit you and, and not dress in that way and still be attractive is yeah, just why do we have to, to disconnect yeah. sex and, and age? Exactly. And, you know, that was the point that I was trying to make about Jennifer Aniston as well. Full circle moment. Looks like a lot of hard work. What is a muse? I mean, I was... Mamma Mia out loud! Muse. Do you know what I mean? Like things like right. that. If you want to make Out Loud part of your routine five days a week, we release segments on Tuesdays and Thursdays just for Mamma Mia subscribers. To get full access, follow the link in the show notes and a big thank you to all our current subscribers. If you could hear thunder above my head, it's because I'm recording from home today because I'm a little bit sick. A storm broke above my head mid-record today, which is probably very familiar to many out louders. <laughs> so sorry about that if it interrupted your listening experience. There's a story in the Washington Post this week about the point at which technology has intersected with grief. And it's pretty mind-blowing and it's really made me think a lot about the ethical dilemmas of what we can do with technology and, and how it can help and hinder us. Scientists are using tech platforms and virtual reality and artificial intelligence to create likenesses or chatbots, basically to bring dead people back to life so that the living can keep having a relationship with them and keep seeing them or keep talking to them. A couple of years ago, a Korean documentary was made about a mother who'd lost her seven-year-old daughter to an incurable disease. And the girl's death was really sudden. She died just a week after being diagnosed in 2016. The article in the Washington Post said that the mother, Zhang Ji-sun, did not have the chance to say goodbye. And it said she became obsessed with the loss of her daughter, which seems to me to be a very natural and logical reaction. But the producers of this documentary, it was called Meeting You, they created a digitized recreation of the child so that the mother could see through a virtual reality headset. And the TV audience was also able to see the image of the daughter. So you could see the mother with her AI goggles on and she had AI gloves and you could see 
the daughter, which looked like her seven-year-old daughter that she'd lost. This virtual little girl, Nayon, appeared from behind this sort of pile of wood and she runs towards her mother calling mum and then the mother burst into tears. I just was bawling watching this video. She said, mum missed you so much and then she sort of tried to touch her and she was saying, I really want to touch you again just once while she's sort of reaching out into space that in her eyes is is the face of her daughter. Afterwards, she said, look, no matter how hard we tried to make it similar, I can still tell that there's a difference. But I was happy to see even the slightest reflection. And she said that it was incredibly painful, but she would do it again. And it brings up some fascinating questions because, you know, in different cultures, we've often looked at ways to connect to our loved ones who have died. People have had seances or open caskets, or we've consulted mediums who can speak to the dead. And sometimes after women lose babies, they're given these kind of lifelike dolls to hold. I remember after losing a pregnancy, all I wanted was to hold something in my arms. But this is a whole other level. There was an episode of Black Mirror actually that was about it. It's almost becoming a reality. So the question is, Em, good idea, bad idea, would you do it? Wow. This is, I mean, I can't imagine for that mother what that moment would have been like to see the AI version, my immediate thought was concern. Like, Mm. is that a healthy way to grieve? I was thinking about Elodie Pullen, who you chatted to on No Filter, Mia, and she lost her partner Chumpy in, you know, a freak accident, shallow water blackout, and famously did a sperm retrieval and she now has a baby girl that Chumpy is the father of. And she said that after he died, she had the option to go and see him and see his body and that she was adamant that that was not something that she wanted or needed and that she's really glad and she's really at peace with that because the last images she has of him as his healthy self, walking around, talking, happy, having a good day. And then she spoke about how people close to Chumpy did actually go and see him and that they told her that they regretted it and that now they have this image that's stuck in their minds of him unconscious on that table and and that that really affected them. And so I like this as an option Mm -hmm. that maybe if someone you love has died in circumstances that were unexpected or traumatizing and maybe you are kind of haunted by some sort of PTSD about having to see them or ID them. This seems like a really beautiful way to maybe reconnect with the version of themselves that you knew and loved. But what about just someone you miss, Hull? Like what about your grandmother, your partner, a child? I would never judge anybody's grieving process and, you know, there are people in my life who've suffered unimaginable losses and I know they would do anything to see their loved one again but the thing about this is imagine the emptiness when you take off the AI headset imagine the emptiness of saying goodbye over and over and over again when you're in grief sometimes all you want is to swim in that person's presence so you watch videos of them you listen to the phone messages from them on your phone you look at photos of them it's so important to you that they still live in your world So I entirely understand that this is like a logical, technological advance. But there is a point at which you're going to have to suffer that loss again and again and again every time you stop. And so I would never say it's right, it's wrong, don't do it. I think that we think that technology can solve everything and control everything and maybe it can even keep people alive forever, you know, but ultimately they're still gone. They're still gone when you take the headset off. What's interesting about this 
is, and you're right, it's not a do it or don't do it. It's more thinking about what that experience would be. And I thought had the exact same reaction as you. I was like, imagine how much you would beg to be able to put that headset on again and please let me spend more time with her and how you would become attached to this non-existence, this sort of poor facsimile of your person. But there's a company called MIT Media Lab that's been building this platform called Augmented Eternity, which allows someone to create a digital persona from a dead person's photos and texts and social media posts that will be able to interact with relatives and others. So it's almost like a chatbot. So you can mm. keep texting or WhatsApping with this that person. And I don't know bit. if you have this experience, but I've got names of people still in my address book in my phone that I've loved and and who have died and I can't delete their contact. What if AI was able to let me keep texting them? And, you know, Alexa and your mate Jeff Bezos at Amazon, if they have one minute of recording of someone's voice, they can have that voice read you stories. That freaks me out. I feel like depending on where you're at in the grieving process, psychologically there's got to be a point where this is either something that might be okay for you or might be detrimental to you. What about Alani of- Pullen's daughter, though? She could... Well, yeah, one of the father. one of the positives that I was thinking of is that especially for kids, when someone passes away, there's that really unspeakable fear that you'll forget their face, you'll forget what they sounded like, you'll forget what they looked like and and how they felt. And you can look at pictures, but you sort of lose mm. hold of the the memories in in your own mind of what they looked and sounded like. And maybe one of the beautiful things about this is, sure, if you were a kid or a baby or you never got to meet one of your parents, maybe you have that moment where you really see what they looked like you know, when they lit up and they smiled, but it's not the same thing. Exactly. It's, again, without judgment, I have a friend, well, I had a friend who who passed away, and just last week, it's really interesting, I saw a film that I knew he would love, and I was like, I would love to be texting him right now and saying, have you seen this film, right? Now, if that system was up, I could do that, but it still wouldn't be him. It still wouldn't be him saying, like, yeah, oh my God, can you believe, you know, it still wouldn't be, it's like fake ice cream. It's like fake anything. It's, he's still not there. He still will never see that movie. The sadness is still there. And, you know, we, like feeling sadness is part of loving someone, feeling the loss and the grief. I'm recommending some undies today, but I'm actually not just recommending undies. I'm recommending boobs. I've done this before, actually recommended boobs, but this is for a different reason. There's a lady startup undies brand that's been started by a Melbourne woman. And the undies brand is called Nala and they make these beautiful... Wearing them now. I'm wearing them now. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we all love Nala, right? And you will have seen it a lot over your feed because they've got this brilliant marketing campaign where it's a new brand, it's only been out for a couple of weeks, where they've got brilliant diversity in models. All of the underwear is made from this beautiful, soft, recycled fabric. Like, they're just amazing knickers and bras. Possibly even better than the knickers. It's on their site, they have a size guide that I have never seen before in my life, right? You click through two different sort of barriers in order to be able to see a gallery of bare boobs. And these are boobs of every shape and size you can imagine. And there are boobs with scars from surgery and there are boobs from mastectomy and there are no boobs and there are big boobs and there are saggy boobs and perky boobs. And basically they've all got names. So they're like things like low profile inward south facing. (laughs) 
<laughs> which is like if your boobs are showing down. Shallow wide set if they're like small and pointing outwards. South facing upper kissing if you've got those nipples that poke upwards. And basically you click on them and it shows you what the bras and knickers look like on those boobs. So not just on generic model boobs, but boobs of all kinds. Brilliant marketing. It's very clever. It's also progress, which we've been talking about a lot, about the fact that we love to see brands embracing diversity. And women love it. We are not turned off by seeing non-perfect bodies. That used to be the old-fashioned idea that women didn't want to buy things that weren't aspirational. And when I say non-perfect bodies, that in itself is a problematic thing to say. Imagine the quote marks around that. And I just love this brand. I love what they do. And also I love their marketing. So my recommendation is Nala Knickers, basically. Nala Knickers and bras and go look at some boobs. Hol, I have the strapless bra and anyone with a boob above Mm. a B cup will know that straplesses are just nightmares. It's so comfy. It's so soft. I put it on my stories. I think we were all gifted some. This is not sponsored. We just freaking love it. I went and, and bought everyone some, messaged to me. To be honest, I, I went and bought more. So messages. we were gifted. Yeah. Uh, we were gifted a couple of pairs of undies and bras. But I went and bought a whole bunch more. And I love a full brief. But sometimes I feel like a bit of a nana in a big full brief. Like they're a bit like diapers. Sometimes this is like a sexy sort yeah. of nineteen fifties energy full brief. Oh, they're so good. One more thing before we go. Yesterday's subs up. Hey, Mia, we did this. Remember we talked about Matthew Perry's book? So many out louders are telling me that they've started reading it since we talked about it on the main yeah. show and they're loving it. So we did a whole subs up about it, didn't we? We did. There was so much to talk about. We absolutely inhaled that book and it was so much better than we expected it to be. There was so much to talk about from friends to addiction to his relationships. Absolutely fascinating. Thank you for listening today. This episode is produced by Emma Gillespie with audio production by Leah Porges and assistant production from Susanna Makin. And we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye. Big thanks to anyone listening who has become a Mamma Mia subscriber. Subscribers get access to every podcast, exclusive videos and all the great articles on Mamma Mia. Subscriptions cost as little as $5.75 a month. There's a link in our show notes. 